<laughs> we naturally do this for a living. It's like, honestly, like, I always say, like, you know, teeing this whole thing up uh, is like, you know, like, it, like, in some respect, it's like kind of like, what do they call it? Not like freestyling it or um, winging it or impromptu, whatever. But it's like I always say, like, because we're living it, you know? Yeah. Hey, everybody, if you're just tuning in, the, I have a very special guest. I have Aaron Schmuckler here with YesWorks. Uh, first off, Aaron, you know, obviously introduce yourself and then just a little bit about YesWorks, and then I'll, we'll kind of sure. get into it a little uh, bit more. I'm Aaron Schmuckler, uh, CEO and co-founder of a company called The YesWorks. And what we do, we work with people first, leaders like you, Mark, to help them build the kind of culture where people and profits both rise. And uh, if I get one more sentence, I'll say that a lot, of, a lot of people first leaders try to strike that balance between the, the heart and the compassion and the wanting to do what's best for their people on the one hand, and on the other, how do I drive performance and profit and, uh, and revenue? And um, that can be a painful balancing act, so we help leaders end that balancing act because you can marry those two and get profits, get uh, performance through leading with heart, leading with compassion, and building the kind of culture where everybody is behaving in ways that are uh, fun and pro-social and, uh, and high performance. So, you know, as like a founder, CEO, entrepreneur, whatnot, you know, we obviously get approached a lot with everything from coaches to, yep. you know, let's pretend, I'm just going to say this and I'm going to correct it in two seconds, these types of things, you know, but why we're still talking after this many years is because um, the one time that we used you, it really like did something with the team right because even like on my side like employees are like skeptical oh shit we got to do this training or whatever the hell they you know it is like we're bringing in this outsider he doesn't understand our world da, 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 da. and again you know we're a pretty transparent company you know so like people are free to express that so i know it so yeah. i'm always nervous to bring in somebody even though i think that person can be great but with you like if you remember what you did with our team yeah and like it just got them to lean in i'll just give like the very generic version of it it was like it, some version of like going around the room in an open office environment. And obviously, I think slightly because of our leadership style where like it's okay to like just tell like how you're feeling. <laughs> and so the fact that everyone got to hear people. And again, like, I don't remember what that exercise was, but like, I don't know. There's something in there if you want to clean that up. <laughs> so, um, you know, people talk about learning styles you've got an auditory learning style and he's got a visual learning style and this other right, person definitely. has a kinesthetic learning style i've been teaching people for my whole career since i was 16 i've been teaching people and i don't know how much there is to that question of learning style i will tell you this information does not lead to behavior change experience leads to behavior change so our brand promise has always been no ineffective, boring PowerPoint lecturing yak yak, because that does not lead to behavior change. There are lots of people out there with all kinds of good knowledge who aren't behaving in ways that are effective. And so we bring experiential learning, even in a, I don't remember how long we spent with, with your team. It was like I, I considered it a, a flyby, it, right? Right. It was um, quick. It wasn't that long, but it like, it did something, you know? Yes. And, so. and that's, that's I think, what we do. We do stuff with your team. 
we make your team an active participant in the learning. Uh, Joe McSweeney was hired by the, the board of SOG Knives many years ago uh, as a turnaround CEO. And early on, he, uh, he saw what they needed to do, and part of it was shifting the culture to have more fun, to be able to see each other as resources instead of adversaries. And uh, we spent three hours with his team, and he's still talking years later about it. He reached his goals as the turnaround CEO early and to a large measure credits what the, the changes that we were able to help them make in three hours with his team. They, they were able to see each other more as, uh, as I say, as, as allies and resources, he tells us. He said that uh, uh, as a result, they were able to communicate more productively and more constructively under pressure. And it's because we were active with them, they were active with us. You can't learn to ride a bicycle by having a conversation. You can't, you can't read a manual and ride a bicycle. Uh, and so what, what leaders can take from what I'm saying is that it takes active participation, frequent, timely feedback to drive change in your organization. Okay. And, you know, it's, and again, I don't know if this cheapens it, so I apologize already, but, you it's know, like, yeah, again, like, you know, once your company starts to make money, you know, things, I'm not going to say feel easier, but there is a little bit more of a freedom, mm -hmm. but I always try to think of like the audience who's just like maybe running a two, three, four, five, ten. 15, 20, 40, 50, 75, 100 person org where like even at that level, like you're still sort of as the founder, CEO, whatever. And again, not everybody, but I'm just talking to this specific, I'm really talking to myself 10 plus years ago where like everyone, oh, you need to do marketing. Oh, you need to get to profitability. Oh, you need to align your team. Oh, you need to do this team thing. Oh, leaders do this. But I'm fucking, all I'm caring about is like, how the hell am I going to make payroll? Right. Right? Yeah. So like how, like how with what you say or do or experience, like someone who's just like in the trenches of like just trying to make payroll, like, yeah, I get it, Aaron, but like we have, I have payroll coming up in every two weeks. Like, you know, mm -hmm. our people are like, you know, working hard. Everything's kind of going. I'm making it. I've now been making it for five years maybe in my business. But it's like I'm still concerned about payroll. Like, how do I get my head out of that mindset? You know, because, again, I try to think, like, what could I have told myself, you know, 10 plus years ago when, like, people were giving me, oh, culture and, like, oh, people. Oh, da, da, da. I'm like, uh, you know, it's like, well, I'm just trying to make payroll. 500 bucks sounds like a lot of money right now. Like. I don't like, like, how do you like talk to that founder? CEO? It, it's a really, that's such a valuable question. I'm, I'm so glad you asked it. And, and what I find in our work is that the obstacle is often less the, the price that it, uh, that it costs to hire us and more the price that it takes to take people away from their desks to say for some training right. or no, you're right. something like that. Right. hundred percent. Stopping the flywheel. Right. Just feels no, that's, incredibly That's hundred percent. Yep. And uh, frankly, I think of it as kind of like marketing. Marketing money, especially when you haven't used marketing money a lot and gotten really great results out of it. That first marketing money is incredibly hard to spend. 
because it just goes out there and then all you have it, it's a wing and a prayer and you're just hoping that you didn't just burn your payroll as you as you put it you so, did though you know you do yeah so keep going though i like this train keep a going. couple of things is one you have to recognize the cost of doing nothing right and and, and maybe it's nothing right you have to look at do i have turnover am i losing people uh, people that are incredibly expensive to replace, whether it's expensive because the the head the head of product just left, and now we're 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 in a lurch, or it's expensive because now I have to take my time to hire somebody else, or now I have to spend more money to go and hire somebody else. So looking at the the expense of having a culture that is created by default is uh, is important. And if you're doing well and you uh, culture-wise and people are sticking around and they are willing to spill their blood and you're not having a lot of uh, miscommunications that are leading to waste or leading to conflict, then don't hire us. Don't hire anybody like us. Keep going until you start to see that you have to keep your eyes peeled, that on the edges, some of that stuff starts to fray. Because when you grow from 10 to 20, the number of relationships in your company grows exponentially. And so the complexity of your culture and the, uh, the hidden influences on your culture start to also grow exponentially. So keep a close eye on how's your culture doing. The, the CEO of Text Expander hired us when he said, I've got a great culture at 30 people. I've got a great culture and I have a great culture because we've hired incredibly well. And that's not scalable. So he hired us to help them create a, an operating system, a scalable operating system for their culture. So he saw, he looked forward, saw we're going to be hiring another 30, another 60, another 90 people over the course of the next few years. And we need a system for maintaining the kind of excellent culture that we have now. I mean, I, feel, I always tell people we've made like every single mistake in the book, you know, but it's all been learning through experience. So it's like, mm -hmm. I also think like, that's just what happens when you're a CD student, you know, like you, I just think some <laughs> of the books don't apply, you know, in business. Like I always said, the first 10 pages of business are written after that you're on your own. What worked for Amazon or Apple? Well, it's not, it's not going to work for you. It's just different times, different people, different everything. Okay. Real quick. So on the culture question, right? Like, answer this. I'm not telling you, I'm asking somehow this is a question. Does culture start like with one person? Or is it something that develops as like something is happening? You know? Because again, when I, when I led up to that was like the idea of like, oh, we've made a lot of mistakes. I feel like we're, as again, mm. you know, coming from a place of being, you know, broke for 10 years. Again, the last five years have been great for us. Um, but, you know, like, like, it's just, again, people say, oh, culture, what's your culture? It's like, you know, what's your vision, mission, values? It's like, what the F are you talking about? Like, we're just trying to run a company right now. Like, you know, everyone knows what they are, you know? But then, like, if you mm -hmm. ask the question and people are like, well, I don't know, it's like, I love my job. And like, again, real quick, first question, is culture like one person? Like, where it, does it It's start everything that you just, or when does everything it start? that you just said. So it starts as soon as you have an idea to start a company. 
Yeah. Right? What? Who? Who are we going to serve? That. What problem are we going to solve? That's the beginning of culture. Because uh, the way we define culture at the S Works is, is the it's the entire set of contagious behaviors inside a community, and your company is a community, and it, and when it's just an idea, it's a community of one. And then you start to maybe reach out to people in the marketplace to test your idea. Hey, here's a here's a problem that I'm seeing. Here's an audience that I see has this problem. What do you think? Is this an expensive problem? If I could solve it, could we make money this way? That's starting to create a culture just by going out and talking about it. So then you reach out to somebody and say, hey, would you do this company with me? Would you come on board? And the way you talk to them is a part of the foundation of the culture. Who you choose is a part of the foundation of the culture. The way you create your first bit of outreach to new employees and to new customers is a bit of the culture. I've, uh, the, the following quote has been attributed to too many people for me to know where it started, but your culture is defined by the worst behaviors you tolerate. That's one definition of culture. Um, I, you know, if you look at Mary Barra is the, the CEO of GM. When she arrived, there was a 10 page dress code. That fact that there's a 10 page dress code is part of the culture of GM when she arrived. And what it says is, you're stupid. We need to spell this out for you. We don't want to have to have relationships with you. Whether this is how it happened or not, this is what it communicates. You worker need to be very strictly managed in writing so that we can point to the writing and tell you what an idiot you are. So Mary Barra changed the dress code to dress appropriately. The end. Right, two, 10 pages to two words. And what that communicated was, you're smart, you'll figure it out. Appropriate is different in, for different people with different jobs on different days in different circumstances. And you're gonna have to be talking to uh, amongst yourselves and with your team and with your manager to zero in on what appropriately means. So that she changed it from a culture of documentation to a culture of relationship with that change. That, that's the beginning of a whole book I could write answering your question mark. Okay, well, let me ask you this question. Would, and again, I'm, not, I'm asking it, even though maybe it sounds like I'm telling it, I don't know. But is culture and reputation the same thing or no? I would say no. Okay, how about... <laughs> is culture, brand, reputation, and alignment the same thing? They certainly are interrelated, is how I would put it. Uh, like, is there like a stack order for it, or, or like, you know, because I, I, there is a quote. I, I think I'm just again. I don't know if it really was Bezos or whatever, but he's like, you know, your company, your brand, or reputation, or whatever is what people say when you're not in the room, right? You know, yeah, and. Like, I don't know how that wouldn't be your culture, right? If, like, you have the company that people just talk shit about each other behind each other's backs and, like, hate each other and da, 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 mm. da. Like, it feels like it's all the same thing. But, like, even in our marketing tech software as a service world, like, everyone loves throwing out all these different terminologies. And I like, like, a lot of our sales pitches now, we've told our salespeople, like, look, level set with terms because what we think is a dealer or an agency or a partner might be used differently. So again, so that's on that, you know, regardless. Yeah. But like in terms of this idea of culture, brand, you know, reputation, like is it really at the end of the day the same thing? 
I mean, again, it's easy if you Google it. Each one has its own definition. I get it, right? You know? But like, so in theory, they. In, I would say they influence each other. So, one way of looking at this, you know, market may shock you. Not everybody likes me. Some people think I'm an asshole. I'm direct, right? It's part of it's part. It's part of. I mean, I was getting frustrated before. Well, I was getting frustrated that you were reaching out to me. You know, seven <laughs> minutes before this interview, being like, "Where are you?" I'm like, "Motherfucker, we have." Seven minutes. I was like, just looking finish. for the link, let right? I, I like. Like, I wanted ready. to be on time for you, so I was like, and "Okay, I better like, have the link if I'm like, going to be on time." What is this guy? Like, we have a grace of five minutes for technological mishaps <laughs> in every meeting, period, because of this right. whole work from home thing. Okay, and, and so, this, so that's yeah, a part. But of no, I I actually appreciate your persistence. I've never thought that, but I can see how people right. who are less secure um, than me would think that. And so that's that's you know that's part of my brand. Whether on purpose or not, that's part of my yeah. brand. Is I'm I'm the guy who's there in, in that way. I show up like that. That's part of my brand, and it is in some ways part of the culture around me because that's how I that's how I behave, right? And and culture again is behavior. Culture is behavior. Brand is reputation, and so your Got behavior it. certainly has an influence on your reputation. So let's take say that, let's say take that a local example. Say, say that well, real quick. Say that line one more time. <laughs> I'll see if I can recreate it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Col culture is behavior. Culture is behavior. Got behavior it. affects reputation. So there's a word brand in there somewhere. Uh, uh, brand is reputation. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was like behavior is brand. It's all right. It's someone. We'll, we'll have to check the, tran the transcript. A thousand years from now, this digital record, people are like, oh, that's what he was saying. Um, <laughs> or so, no one. So I, I'm not going to name names. Uh, some people will recognize this story. There's a there in in our area here in the Pacific Northwest, Seattle. Uh, there is a company, the the leader of which decided to take a significant pay cut so he could give all of his pump, his his employees a very significant pay raise right that became that was that in that influenced the culture it was an a, a, an essential part of the culture there that um, that he took a personal sacrifice in order to to improve the quality of life for every person who worked in his company and it was a big news item and it went all over the it went all over the place and has been a part of this company's reputation for a really long time and affects their culture. He and I talked a little bit when COVID hit and talked about how the team came together. That behavior influenced the way the team came together and they did some furloughing and, um, and some people decided to take a bigger pay cut uh, because somebody else was in a more dire financial situation. So there's this reciprocal care back and forth. That is without question, part of the culture, part of the brand, part of their reputation. And then some very, very ugly behavior that he had been engaged in in his personal and business life came to light this year. And the reputation of that company uh, has taken a significant hit He's been, he's he's resigned. But let let's say whether it was people or just the circumstance, he was pushed out, and there's a new CEO there. And I imagine that the culture, the brand, and the reputation have all taken a hit because of some behaviors uh, of the leader. And to their credit, 
he's not there anymore. So when I say your culture is defined by the worst behavior tolerated, when it came to light, it was very clear that that, it, that, it, that behavior wouldn't be tolerated. So the fact of his having moved on now also is an influence in the culture and also affects the brand. Yeah, I have a very weird, um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's always like a, I'm always like pro-founder. Yep. Obviously. Um, yeah, we have that in common. Yeah, you know, and so it's like a very, I don't know, those are, yes, but shit rolls downhill, so I mean, I get it. I mean, yeah. there's I mean, Uber, I mean, you can name a million companies, right? right? I mean, it's not just, it's not that unique. Right. Uh, that part of business. <coughs> you know, and, and sometimes the founder, you know, uh, I've got a number of good friends who founded companies, did an awesome job as visionaries, getting to the companies to a place of health and stability and sustainability. And they're builders, not operators. And so the time comes because of their skill set to hire a CEO and maybe take a step back. I think of, um, I don't know him, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy, the Wizard of Moz, he's now called, right? He founded Moz, took it to a certain point, and then <clears throat> the skill set that he had wasn't the skill set that the company needed. Well, you know, the founder yeah, that we're talking know. about... I and other, yeah, and I, other I do. I, I do. I think like, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know. I always wonder like how much publicly I should share, you know, like about those <laughs> stories, you yeah. know, because my own thing is on that one specifically, I truly believe, and I've never had the conversation with Rand, but I truly believe all things considered knowing what he knows now like i think he would still be running Moz in theory it could it I think could be he just let i think he maybe listened to too many people and got caught up a little bit in the momentum stigma you sure. know, growth at all costs kind of investors saying this you know you know well so anyway i don't know let me ask you this question it, i've always thought this I, I will say i, I have a skill set that it, as my company grows, gets challenged. And so far, I'm developing that skill set and, uh, and meeting the challenge. And the time may come when either I'm no longer able to meet that challenge or I don't want to. And it'll right. be time to maybe hire a different CEO. Yeah, I guess where I always default to, and again, I'm not telling you, I'm almost, I'm asking, is like, and I'm probably not going to say it 100% correctly, but like I always think like there's this idea of like an approval rating, right? Like, and if there was in a company, yeah. Like, what do you think the approval rating should be of leadership to be like that's a healthy org, right? Because like to me that would be like if we were ever in a major crisis, right? And and there had to be like, you know, there's some metrics around this, right? It had to be like a three-month tailing, you know, mm -hmm. not just in one month everything's Because, again, things happen quickly in mm -hmm. business, right? It could have been we got caught up in this. But after like a three, six, nine, 12 months, the approval rating is below a certain amount. 
it's like that's an indication that your people are either extremely unhappy, aka with you on your leadership, right? You know, and that there needs to be some version of change, you know. And I always wonder, like in the situations like the company you reference or like an Uber or whatnot, as much as they were embroiled in that outside, you know, drama, whatever, you know, happened, you know, that if the employees lo- in that moment also lost faith, then yes, it's a hundred percent time to move on, step down, you know, get out of the picture, you know, keep the focus on the good parts of the company. But if my employees supported me as a human, as like whatever, and that approval rating number was consistent, it's like, I shouldn't just abandon because of it, right? Like, I always wonder like that out loud, like, because to me, it's like the people who work here, who then influence our customers. And then, so it's like, again, if the people are like, oh my God, you gotta go, you did that. Like you're a sleazeball, whatever the hell it is, I'm out of here. Like, what you mm-hmm. fucking, I'm gonna look these people in the face every day and try to lead when they're looking at me like that, you know? Yeah. But again, like, do you think there is like a number? Right? Uh, like, is it like, you know, like, I mean, the president's approval is always like, what, 30, 40% yet still leads. Like, <laughs> right. to me, like, you, that's a sign, like, it's kind of over, right? Is 60% <laughs> appropriate? Is it 80%? You know, also, it's not a dictatorship. It can't be 100, you know? Like, so it's like, like, you know, I always think about that idea of like an approval rating of like, you know, again, how our people feel about leadership. You're and, asking and me that. questions today that uh, are challenging in, in the ways that I most love because they make me think hard. So I, I was telling somebody just the other day a story about Mrs. Kirschman, and I remember walking into Mrs. Kirschman's English class in 10th grade, and the first time she looked at me, you know, I had my, my books all kind of jumble in my hands and papers sticking out everywhere. And she took one look at me and she said, you're discombobulated, get out of my classroom and come back when you're together. <laughs> and I was pretty mad and I did not think I was going to like Mrs. Kirschman and I don't know that I would be where I am today if not for Mrs. Kirschman and I came fairly quickly to love and respect and appreciate Mrs. Kirschman not everybody in my class did in fact I would say the majority of kids in my class did not like her they did not appreciate her directness they did not appreciate the fact that she challenged uh, that she challenged us and had high standards. So uh, approval rating is tough. Right. And, um, you know, I have the same problem with approval ratings that I have with culture surveys, which right. is that they treat every single person's voice uh, identically. And in a company, no matter what the company, and, and by the way, I'm not a fa- I'm not in favor of of rank and yank or anything even remotely like that kind of Jack Welsh style of management. And in our in in any company of in a company of any significant size, there are people that you wish you could duplicate, and there are people that you might wish you hadn't hired. And when it comes to the approval rating, or when it comes to the company culture survey, their voices carry equal weight. So I think when it comes to approval rating and, and your question of how much influence should approval rating have, my answer is it depends on who you're polling. If you're polling people who uh, operate with the values of the company, 
whose, whose behaviors are consistent with the values of the company, whose behaviors are consistent with great performance, then yes, approval rail, rating matters a great, great deal. Um, and then there's, the, then there's uh, you know, there are places online where I could probably find out the approval rating of Mark Michael. I have no idea whose voices go into that approval rating. Is it the general public who knows nothing about your company, nothing about what you're doing? Well, then who gives a crap? So my answer is, de is it depends. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I get it. So what uh, percentage are you thinking is like? <laughs> is a good percentage? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, so culture, brand, reputation, alignment. Okay. I was the last kind of topic, um, sort of. <sighs> so as we've been selling to bigger orgs, right, um, bigger brands, the word that we I keep hearing is like it's not necessarily even the tech; it's getting the team to like align on blank. AKA a process, a workflow, mm -hmm. uh, making it easier, da, 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 da. Like how, like, and I, I think I, the reason why I liked that sort of kind of feedback was because it was less about product and features and more about the human part, right? It's like, oh, well, if we just sell this into them, it's like, yeah, but like they're help, they want us to like help them figure out like a day in the life and like what not and like how how does this change the team dynamic especially with our software right it's a little bit more expensive you know it's not like they're picking up a chat bot for 99 dollars right like it's like you yeah. know it's like tens of thousands of dollars hundreds of thousands of dollars you know but like just in terms of like i still i just want again i like i want this is me being selfish right now just like perspective wise from you know you like the idea of alignment in the example i gave you in terms of like sales and like team and human selling whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it like how do you like clean that up how much time do you have i know um, so here's here's where I have it a, starts i have a 10 o'clock yeah. here's where <laughs> here's where it starts uh i think it starts with understanding that alignment perfect alignment is aspirational not is achievable That's so so i think about That's it a good as line. Uh, and you, you've got to, you, if you start with that understanding, and we're going to have to continue, as, as we call it spiraling in. And we've been yeah. working with Sage and Tact software to help their implementers gain alignment with their with their clients. And there's also some gaining alignment with sales, right? Because maybe sales is, is selling uh, features or selling some ideas that aren't necessarily attainable or not necessarily right for this client. So if you'd start with the idea that I'm going to throw a dot, uh, uh, throw a dart, and I'm going to hit right here, and you are going to hear it, and you're going to think that I'm right here, and the way that language works, we're going to think we're right on target together. And as we go, we're going to realize, ah, hang on a second, there's a gap. And instead of getting pissed off about the fact that there's a gap, and you heard me wrong, or no, you said it wrong, we go, ah, this is what we were expecting. We knew that there was going to be a misalignment we, that, that we didn't know about. So now it's time to get a, a, a few shades closer. So understanding that that's part of the process, I think is part of what, what 
what you're talking about. And then um, stack ranking priorities is another really important thing. For example, customer experience maybe is a, is a top priority. And so if sales and implementation have different ideas about what should happen, then you go back to foundational principles. Like we put client experience at the top. And so I know that it's gonna cut into our margins for us to do X and because we put customer experience above profit margins to a certain degree, that's what's gonna make the decision. So you decide on the principle, how do we make this decision? And then ask the principle to decide instead of the people. I hope that helps, Mark. Uh, 100%. One other thing that's coming to mind is a, a quick story that I, I heard, I think, from Seth Godin uh, talking about leading one of his companies is that they would, they would decide on this is, this is our top priority for this quarter. This is our number one project. And anybody with direct influence on that project got an armband or a pin or some visual signal that they're working on this quarter's top project. And everybody else got out of their way. You know, if you and I both need the copier and you were there first, but I have an armband, you of course just get out of my way. And if I say, Mark, I need help, and you're working on something else, well, you set that something else aside because all resources when, uh, when this top priority project need help, all resources are diverted that direction. So that's another way of thinking about creating alignment is allocating resources by default to whatever this quarter's top priority is. Okay, and uh, what was I gonna say? Okay, with the last eight minutes, yeah. Like, let's just talk about return to office. <laughs> okay. Okay, because like, here's where I'm at with it. Okay. Yeah. And you again help me unpack, help the audience. So again, I I get asked this question whether it's a founder, CEO, peer, to you know obviously our employees to people I meet randomly, friends, family, everyone. I mean, that's like the number one question I always get. Like, well, it's like, are your people back at work? Are you back at work? So again, for each person, it's a little different. Each company might be a little different. You know, where I'm in every Harvard Business Review study, every, I read it all, I absorb it all. You know, what Elon Musk is doing, I, I just read it. I'm like, okay, so what are, how are people feeling? And again, we are, we're a small company in the grand universe of companies that exist on this planet. But, you know, so I only have my experience. So here's where we're at now, two plus years into this whole thing, right? So one, there is no formal return to office policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and for many reasons. One reason is because, again, not every pre-pandemic, I would have never hired anyone outside of Seattle. I'm mm. free to admit that. I was stubborn as hell. Our people needed to be in here minimum three days a week. If you live closer, you should be. Since, since the pandemic, we've hired overseas we've hired you know across the united states of america chicago new york i'm totally cool this is the format even that you're we're doing this podcast in right. it's all virtual yeah you know so i feel like it's unfair to penalize the people who live closer to the office to be like you need to come in the office three days mm-hmm. a week when their counterpart works remote in upstate new york mm-hmm. 
so there's that. Two, um, weirdly or not weirdly enough, our people are getting ridiculously efficient. And again, I don't know everyone else's company situation. You know, we're obviously tech and virtual and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And we're selling things in the cloud, you know. So it's not like, you know, uh, a law firm or something else. But, uh, you know, so I can always talk about that. But again, our people are just getting really good. Like my co-founder estimates that we're about 15% more efficient at home um, mm. because people are not, you know, there's not the commute time. There's mm-hmm. not the, you know, kind of BS time, you know, also gives them more time back in their lives to like prioritize. Because again, a lot of our stuff is, you know, we're trying to get a client live. So it's like, you know, there's deadlines and timelines and however that fits, like who are we to be like, you should be doing this every day when you come into the office. Right. If they can, if they want to work from 10 to 12 and still getting done for the next morning, 6 a.m. launch, you know, as long as that doesn't affect the other people on their team and this and that. Um, yet, you know, when I, we sponsor this conference every year, Location-Based Marketing Association, uh, and they haven't had an in-person one in two years since the pandemic. It was last week in Atlanta. And just to be around peers and industry people again and it was just like oh shit there is a human element of yeah. just like hey yeah. what do you want to eat or drink i mean just like the basics and it's like i struggle with that as like the leader of dev hub you know um mm-hmm. of like i want it for my people you know to like have a human experience but like maybe that's selfish on me which is the struggle to want that for them because I want it maybe for me right like mm-hmm. me coming to the office every day it's like it's like fuck I sometimes I think it's like using like a dial up phone or something weird you know like it's like it's like yeah it sounds cool sort of but like really it's like old school why why would you not just work you know wherever the hell you want you know but again I don't know how you unpack that in four minutes but again, like, you know, because I've, you know, the Malcolm Gladwell thing came out. It's poor leadership that basically is not bringing people back into the office. And then it's like, you know, I mean, it's just like, I, I just, I, it's like, I cannot grab what this, like, how to, like, figure out this piece. Right. Know? What I think Malcolm Gladwell is recognizing and speaking to that I hear almost nobody else speaking to is however convenient work from home may be, no matter how efficient, I'll say, no matter how efficient work from home may be, no matter how important flexibility may be, and no no matter how much you might also lose staff if they can go somewhere else and work remotely, there is no getting around biology and neuroscience. And we are analog creatures with pheromones and all that kind of stuff that affects how we respond to each other. So you might make a decision to stay remote or to be hybrid or to hire people across the globe. You might make that decision and you can't pretend that it isn't costing you something also. Now you have to make the the cost-benefit analysis for yourself and we are biological creatures with neuroscience that's evolved over countless eons to be in the same place relating physically with one another and physically 
chemically, uh, all that kind of stuff. So there is a cost. We don't yet know what it is. There is less information going back and forth between you and me right now than there would be if we were in the same place. And right now, that's the cost of doing business, I think. Yeah, so no answer. Got it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Don't cool. say the quiet part out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, okay, cool. So no answer. Got it. Um, yeah, again, like I said, like, yeah, I don't know. I feel it. You know, like, you know, the other day I went, I had, I was extremely, what, like, when the days are just ridiculously actually busy, like, I, like, I know people are, oh, I'm so fucking busy all the time. It's like, I don't know if you really are. Like, I know it's easy to be busy browsing Zillow, you know, looking at homes that you want to buy one day, you know, I'm yeah. guilty of it right now on my other screen. Um, <laughs> you know, like, but like at the end of the day, it's like, it just, you know, I was walking home and I was like, I don't know, for a split second, I just thought today sucks. Hmm. Like again, like, hmm. like there was just nothing, nothing unique about the day hmm. that was like, oh, cool. It was just like, it felt very boring, mundane, and I think having people in the office, like it was just like, you know, people bring their own thing kind of yep. in the office. Oh, what's up? Oh, cool outfit. Oh, whatever. I mean, whatever it is, you know, like, oh, this client said that? Oh, you know, it's like you have like, it's like a, like you said, probably that biology, neuroscience, you know, like where it's like there's a human part that like, and also the hours fly by. And I get it. You're not sitting there coding. You're not sitting there doing the thing. That, you know, I understand that, but like, there is something missing in everything to yes. not be close. And again, like, but again, like, it's like, if you look at the dollars and the efficiency and this and that, like we've grown the last three years, you know, like, and more so maybe than the years past, you know, and it should be in theory, maybe the opposite, but. Well, you know, you know okay. and how much of that is the accumulated momentum of, of being in business and how much of that right. is added efficiencies. Um, yeah. And and I hear a lot of people talking about the added efficiency. What I don't see are, and I was just talking about this with a room full of CEOs last night. I don't see uh, any metrics on the increase or decrease in effectiveness. So if we're cranking out a hundred more widgets per hour, well, that's very efficient. But if they're the wrong widgets for the market, <laughs> well, yeah, it's not very effective. Yeah, same. Yeah, same page. All right, uh, Aaron Schmuckler. Mark Michael. The yes, the yes works. This was a really fun conversation. Thank you so much for asking me such gonna, challenging questions. It was really. I'm gonna fun. post it, everything unedited, blah blah blah. I'll try to make a couple <laughs> clips. See if we go viral on TikTok. You know, right, probably man. not because no one gives a shit about the critical thinking parts of yeah. anything. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, I'll post it on. But also, just real quick, even though we're still live, send me a picture of you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks, Aaron. Have a good weekend. Yeah. Oh, and uh, one other thing, Mark, is that I've sent yeah. you an invitation for for uh, November 9th. If you haven't seen it, check it out because I think it might be of interest to you. Cool. Thanks, right. Aaron. Bye.